Hello everybody and welcome to podcast number 51. Today I have with me an actor, stand-up comedian, singer and improviser. She was BBC Radio 4 New Comedy Award nominee and Funny Woman UK 2019 finalist and 2020 British Comedy Guide Pro Performance Award nominee. It's Liz Gutterbach. Welcome Liz, thank you for joining us. Hi, thank you for having me. Now, now you were actually brought up in California. Hey, what a nice introduction. <laughs> yes, I was. And the Gooderbox, the Gooderbox, uh, we, well, we're not originally from California, but I definitely am. I was, I was one of the, I was one of the only people in my family born in the actual state. So, so how young were you when you actually came over to the UK then? Oh, I was 29 years young. Oh, wow. um, <laughs> so I was 20 yeah I was 20 I was 29 when I moved here um yeah because so my mom is English so I have dual citizenship and even though I grew up in California and spent most I mean it, most if not all my life there um I visited the UK visited my English family when I was a kid and I just kind of always wanted to, to live here and so I was lucky enough to be able to have the two passports. Because so. you actually studied at the Central School of Speech and Drama that was in London. I did. I and, did. And you graduated with a master's in acting. You actually got a distinction. <laughs> How uh, do you know all this stuff? <laughs> and then, but that wasn't enough for you. You also have a BA in philosophy. So <laughs> when did you first think, oh, I know, I want to entertain people. I'm going to... Oh. Gosh, yeah, you know, it's interesting. I think um, when I was a little kid, I don't know if, I think I probably had the thought I want to entertain Peter in my life. Probably, probably when I was like, you know, a teenager, I guess. Um, but I always, I, I always remember, actually, maybe that's, maybe that's a lie. If I really think back to it, I had the idea that I wanted to entertain people probably when I was like six or seven years old because I would sing and I, you know, and it was just something that I, that I could just do. And I, and I, and I did it and I had lots of singers. My grandma was a great singer and we kind of had to sing Christmas carols and, and all that stuff. But I always remember there was a, a, an elementary school or primary school talent show. And I really wanted to lip sync to a song that I think is by Weird Al Yankovic. And it, the song is called Got a Boogie. And the lyrics are, got a boogie, got a boogie on my finger and I can't off. And I thought that was the funniest thing that I'd ever heard. I never did the lip sync, but I feel like that's the moment that I was like, I like, I want, I want to entertain like that. I don't know. So, you know, it's, and I think like being a performer, I always kind of dipped in and out of it. I tried to be a singer at one point. That was very difficult. Um, it didn't work out. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think, I guess I just, I always wanted to be a performer, but only recently have I really gone like whole hog, full-fledged, yes, this is what I'm going to do. You're going to do. And because you actually work as a voiceover artist for some really big companies and um, and you've done really well in your sort of film tv and theater um so when did you actually think oh stand-up comedy 
Yeah, that's an interesting one. So I thank you so much for the lovely compliments as well. I mean, I think from the outside, there's a lot of things that can look very impressive, which I, I'm not trying to downplay what I've done, but I think it can be very touch and go. And I have wonderful people around me who, who believe in me, who are helping me, you know, my agents and that kind of thing. But on the inside, it's very much waiting, waiting around to see what happens on one hand. And I think as an actor, uh, there's the phrase waiting, sitting around waiting for the phone to ring. And so much, so much of the industry now is about what you can make yourself, you know, that you don't get the big phone call from Spielberg immediately after you get out of drama school. So, you know, and, and there's a, there's a reality to it as a creative person, you make your own work, making your own work. And then there's work that, that sort of comes to you that you haven't made that you're, you're part of. And so anyway, after drama school, I was kind of, I didn't want to sit around and wait for the phone to ring. I had my day job. I was working in offices, doing the things that I do to make ends meet. And um, I had people keep saying, you need to be writing, to be producing, you need to be doing this, you need to be doing, looking at mowing. That's a great idea. But with what money? How am I going to produce and make my own stuff, perform all the time and get it out there? And then I had this moment of horror when I realized it was stand up because you can produce your own stuff. You can get on stage every night for free. It doesn't cost you anything, meaning it doesn't cost you anything to get on stage, although transport and that kind of stuff, I guess. But it was the place where I thought, I'll, I can, I can write my own stuff. I can perform it. And there's no sort of, I don't have to worry about getting a production team or a crew or any of that stuff. It's just me. And then I was like, oh no, it's just me. I have to do all of it. So it wasn't like a fun realization, <laughs> but, but I started, you know, and I, I did what I think some comedians would think is a sacrilegious thing. And I took a class. <gasps> I took a comedy class. I went to the comedy school and they, it was a baptism of fire. Cause I had no idea how to do stand up or anything. And that class threw me, threw me in the deep end and I hated it. And I don't think I was good. And then I also then got the bug and was like, wow, being this bad at something early on, makes me want to keep doing it to see if I can get better. <laughs> <laughs> and, you, and you have, and it's wonderful. Now you were- Oh, that's nice. <laughs> um, you've also dabbled in um, improv. So are you kind of a whose line is it anyway improv or a really sort of serious improv person? Ooh, really serious. No, I'm not a really serious improv person. I think, um, you know, improv is such a, is such an interesting thing. So um, I also took improv, I think, because it scared me, because I like things to be just so. I'm, I'm a very, you know, <laughs> clean lines organized. I want things to be planned. So the idea of improv is like opposite to my nature. And um, so, yeah, to, to answer your original question, I think it's a whose line 
it's a whose line situation fun i do i do more long form improv so i i do a lot of stuff with the free association in london um they're a really great improv school and i learned long form improv so whose line is it anyway is more short form short games but there's such skill and talent and fun in that i would love to do more short form as long as you're enjoying it you're happy with all your work that you have done in film tv theater and comedy which do you actually have a favorite there is there is nothing like doing a stand-up set in front of a live audience and having that immediate feedback of when something works or doesn't work i think you know i think especially because of this last year I've become so aware of how much I love live performance. So I think whether it's stand up or or improv in a live setting and comedy, I mean it's just it's just the thing. I just love it. I love I love the way comedians can change the energy in a room. I love being the person who can hopefully do that. Um doing stupid voices and making people laugh and surprising people. Yeah. I think I, I think I have a favorite and I think it's definitely comedy. <laughs> <laughs> now, as well as being on CBBC's Hetty Feather, you were also involved in Channel 4's For the Love of Cars. So are you a great, do you have a love of cars? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I love I love, I love cars for sure. I actually, I, in that show, I was playing it, they had made it. So it was all about the um, Triumph stag. It was all about this one particular car that Triumph had made that was, it was, as far as I understand, not a great car. Um, <laughs> so it was, yeah. So th that show was all about sort of rebuilding and, and remaking uh, old cars. And I was actually playing a, a, a um, they did like a little montage thing where it showed people from the 70s driving this Triumph, this stag. And I was one of the 1970s people. So, you know, I got to drive that car and I loved it. And I do love cars. And actually my family, my mom is obsessed with cars, but my English family, uh, they, they all live in... Um, in and around uh, Birmingham. And they rally cars as well, like wow. uh, classic minis. And so, yeah, so, I mean, I like cars. That show was just a little bit of a, <laughs> a coincidence <laughs> that I ended up getting onto it. But, but yeah, so short, long answer. I just gave short answer. Yes, I love cars. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Now, you can also sing and play the piano. So what sort of music do you like? You said earlier you wanted to be an opera singer. So is it very classical or? Yeah, so I don't want to be an opera singer anymore or ever again. Uh, it's hard. It's really, I tend to. I, I know this is such a lame answer when somebody says, I like all styles of music. I do. Whether I can play those styles like, is another thing. My piano playing tends to be on the more classical side, but, um, you know, I can mess around with chords and things. Um, but I, I recently have been trying to play guitar because 
well, mostly because Dolly Parton's my hero and I want to learn how to play the guitar. But um, yeah, I, I, I tend to like all kinds of music, but I, I do, I have a real a love and appreciation for classical music and just music history and how music has progressed over time. I just... And guitar is going to be a lot easier when you're traveling around to do your comedy, isn't it, Carrie? Right. Well, that was the thing is that piano. Yeah, piano really is my instrument. But I know, you know, there are comedians who are so ingenious with how they get the piano onto the stage. Like Huge Huge Davies is one of the people that I think of. Like he's so he's got it strapped onto him. And I'm just like, well, I'm not sure my back could handle that. So I was like, maybe, maybe I should learn the guitar. And I'm doing it. It's very slow going, but uh I don't think it's, shall we say, I don't think it's stage ready. It's so. <laughs> um so Graham, is there anything that you would like to ask? So, so Liz, if the BBC turned up and they said, right, here's a million pounds, may not be enough nowadays, possibly not enough. What do you think you would do with that million pounds if you had to, you had your own show for at least two series? Oh, my goodness. If I had my own show, I would some of my favorite shows are done in the mockumentary style um and i think uh i would get armando Iannucci in as a consultant <laughs> and ha- hopefully have hopefully have him help me uh figure something out because i know so many great improvisers and i you know i'm an improviser as well i would love to figure out a show oh or or here's another idea I don't think or I don't know how much the BBC has been involved with making uh animated shows obviously the kids shows but I'm thinking a, a, a an animated show because voiceover I just love and there's a certain amount that you can do in terms of characters for scenarios or scenarios that you put your characters in you can put characters anywhere if those characters are drawn you can have the biggest weirdest craziest budget in the world so maybe actually I would I would pitch and create an animated show that obviously takes the improv element out of it but yeah Mm -hmm. I think that that would definitely be something I would do I I think if you're going for the very best Amanda Anucci you possibly may have actually broken your budget already I think so (laughs) yeah well I said no I said consultant Ah, now that could consulting. mean that could mean he comes in as an advise as a one-off advisor for whatever yeah. his hour for whatever his hourly rate is and is like yes <laughs> or no. <laughs> and I'm like, well, he, he consulted. He consulted. Okay. <laughs> you see, that's that's your clearly that's the clear mind, structured mind coming in, isn't it? Yes or yeah. no. That's it. And yep. that should save at least. Nine million. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> no, the the um the I was going to say on your improv that you do is that was that did you learn that from a young age or was that purely from your acting courses or as from the improv that you're doing with your group you've developed? So when I lived in LA um, and I you know I was working my office jobs and trying to figure out how the hell do I become an actor. <laughs> um, I took classes at uh, the Groundlings in LA and the level, the caliber of talent 
that is in LA and then also the guys who do, you know, Groundlings have a direct link to SNL. And I had a little bit of a taste of, of, of what that was. And I thought, oh my God, you know, this is, this is the thing. This is really cool. But I think I was always a little bit scared of it. So I don't know. I think um, I'm not somebody who really likes to, or I didn't used to be somebody who liked to go off the, the rails that much. And taking those classes in improv, I, I wasn't very good because I wouldn't take very many risks, but I could see the people taking the risks and being so imaginative and just, you know, also being imaginative within a structure. So I feel like even though I didn't excel in those Groundlings classes, it showed me watching other people be excellent informed me about the things that I needed to work on in order to be excellent. And then I went to, well, I would say, I, I hope to eventually be excellent, but yeah, I hope you know what I mean. I think yes. then I went, I went to drama school and it was only a year long course. And in it, you know, actors are asked to improvise, but it will obviously be more, um, yeah, actors are asked to improvise, but it will be more emotional improvisation, sort of dramatic improvisation. So I had a little bit of experience with that. Um, but I think that also doing that, those sort of improv exercises with emotional scenarios or more dramatic scenarios also helped me break free of some of the constraints around a script or, you know, you have a specific structure or beats that you need to hit within an improv, but how you get there is, you know, your, mm -hmm. you know, you, you decide that in the moment. And for me, oh my God, like, that's just, that's the best thing I can work within a structure or I know where I have to get to, but how I get there is, mm -hmm. is anyone's game. So yeah, I would say it's been, my experience with improv has been ever evolving, but it has absolutely shaped how I write, how I approach things. I think in a lot of ways, how I live my life, I like to think I'm a little more fun because I do, because I do improv, but you know, we improvise every day in our lives to try and get the things done that we need mm -hmm. to do. We're all effectively improvising through, this is my main point. We're improvising throughout our lives. <laughs> do, you, do you find the um with your improv or the style of improv that you do it's from the acting background and the structure from the acting background where you've been through the emotional truth that you've tried to find within yourself or do you look for well this could actually be funny I think I think that it, emotional truth will always be funny so the more honest we are with our emotions, the, the funnier it will be. I think that works with stand-up. You know, you think about the things, how irate a, one of your favorite comedians gets about something really mundane. What we're laughing at is the emotional truth behind it. The fact that you're just like, yeah, I do feel like that. So I think that emotion and and I'm also a firm believer that anybody with training or without training has the capacity to 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 hit that emotional truth and be just as funny as somebody who has has no training obviously experience does count for something but I do firmly believe that everybody has the potential 
to 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 reach that um, emotional truthfulness and therefore be funny and comedic. Comedic. If the phone rang now and somebody could offer you a part in anything that you would, what would you want to do? So you can choose whatever part you would like to play. <gasps> oh, whatever part I would like to play. I mean, when I really think about what I, oh, I would love to be, again, it comes back to animation, to be in an animated show uh, uh, that possibly requires me to do a few different voices. So usually I get cast with this this voice that I'm using right now um, <laughs> or some version thereof. But, you know, some a show I can't think of, you know, I, I, I would love to play some weird aristocratic lady or, you know, I'm thinking of shows like BoJack Horseman that have... A, a need for many characters played by sort of the same uh, actors in some cases. So something like that would just be an absolute dream. Fantastic. So there you are, listeners. Anyone listening who needs that voice, get in touch. <laughs> I, well, what plans do you have for the future? What plans do I have for the future? Well, I think right now I'm in a little bit I need a little bit of stability. So I've got a, a, a part-time job <laughs> doing something that's not at all related to comedy. So that, because it's been, yeah, I think for a lot, a lot of performers, a lot of people, mm-hmm. just straight up, everybody will have experienced some sort of change or hardship or something during this lockdown. So it's been difficult, but plans for the future. I think I would like to uh, work towards I was working toward a 45 uh, minute uh, work in progress show last year. And a lot of that sort of fell um, by the wayside. So I would like to start again, working towards an hour show and um, some debut of some sort where that will be, I'm not sure. Um, but I would like to, to work on an hour long comedy show Ideally, that show would involve some music and some, imp- I mean, improv and stand up, but just kind of all, all together. And to make something that is sparkly and fun and just sort of an extension of my personality. Uh, yeah, an extension of my personality. I like making people happy and making people laugh at stupid things. And so, yeah, so I, I, I don't exactly know how I'm going to do that, but that is a, pl- a vague plan for the future that I would like to make that happen. And then just kind of roll with what comes along because gigs are starting up again. Um, but that's going to be a slow process. And so really um, my plans for the future are very much about being in the present and just enjoying, 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 enjoying being on stage again, because I've just missed it so much. So Britt, how can people follow you? Oh, so uh, all of my handles on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, uh, not my email, but yeah, they're all the same. Uh, it's at Liz Guterbach, L-I-Z-G-U-T-E-R-B-O-C-K. 
And yes, at Liz Guterbach. So you can find me in those places. You can find me doing improv um, at the Free Association, which is they're just starting up gigs again. Uh, so that I'll be posting and sharing those things on social media. Um, yeah, so that's that's how you can find me. Brilliant, fantastic. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. Um, that's been wonderful. And thank you listeners for listening. Okay, bye.